Welcome to the New Abbey podcast. We are in our Lenten series called Longing. And the conversation for you today is called A Road to Forgiveness. The question for you to get started with is, what relationship in your life are you most longing for repair? Enjoy. This is the second Sunday of Lent, and what we're thinking about in Lent is this idea of longing or desire, that we all have longings or that we all have desires within us. Richard Rohr says this, you are the desiring of God. God desires through you and longs for life and love through you and in you. And what we believe about that is what we all desire in some way is relationship or union. We long for deep union in our lives. We long for deep union with God. We long for union in other relationships in our life. And for many of us, we long for even honest union with ourselves. And so if we're going to think about that, we don't want to just think about it ideologically. We want to think about it practically. And how we're going to think about it practically is that if we truly want union, then we need to practice vulnerability and repair, which is another way of saying that we need forgiveness, that we need to have forgiveness with ourselves we need to have forgiveness with other people. In some ways, maybe we even need to reclaim an idea of who God is. So if we're going to do that, we've got to talk about some things. We're going to talk about union. And then if we're going to do that, we're going to talk about Forrest Gump and then how that relates to Michael Jackson. Any Leaving Neverland fans out there? Okay. Then we're going to talk about the practice of rebuking and repenting, said no one ever at church in Los Angeles in 2019. And then we're going to talk about forgiveness. To do that, let's look at Luke chapter 17. Jesus said to his disciples, Things that cause people to stumble are bound to come, but woe to anyone through whom they come. It would be better for them to be thrown into the sea with a millstone tied around their neck than to cause one of these little ones to stumble. Jesus is getting feisty, huh? Right? Uh, You ever think like Jesus just like literally wakes up on the wrong side of bed sometimes? There's like the happy Jesus, like all the children come to me. Everyone wants that Jesus. And there's like the angry Jesus. Put a millstone around your neck and throw someone into the sea. All right, so watch yourselves. If you, brother or sister, sins against you, if your brother or sister sins against you, rebuke them. And if they repent, forgive them. Even if they sin against you seven times in a day and seven times come back to you saying, I repent, you must forgive them. Forgiveness is rooted in practice. That's not just something that you do ideologically. I grew up in a context in good old evangelicalism in southern Denver uh, where forgiveness happened because I would raise my hand, um, where I would come to the altar. I came to the altar every week, my friends, right? (laughs) Particularly in my adolescence. That was good. I'll never do that again until that night. Uh, Forgiveness was rooted in something magical. It was was pixie dust that would be sprinkled over everything and everything would be repaired in the world until it wasn't. Forgiveness for me was sprinkled in the reality that if I just get married, these sexual addictions that I have will go away. And I did get married and they didn't go away. And I had more things that I needed forgiveness for even within myself. 
And so what I think Jesus leads us into is always a practical reality, an opportunity to practice something different. That if we truly want union in life, then the reality of what we need to enter into is the practice of forgiving. Any yoga fans out there? Come on, me too. I have, uh, I've gone to yoga two times, quite the expert. Yeah, yeah, no big deal. I did the one where you're like, like slowly stretching, you know, and like blocks and like seven minutes in a position. Huh? Yin, yeah, there you go. That was what it's called, right? Everyone's like really like gentle with you and whatever. And I was like, oh, that was so boring. Um, and then I did hot yoga and I'm like forward and down and up and yeah, you know, whatever it was and stretching it out. And I like that one a lot better. Was that the move? Is that a move that you do? No, it's not a move. Great. And they had like the different classes you could offer. I'm like, I do CrossFit, obviously. Uh, I'm going to do like advanced level two, whatever, sweat it out, 119 degrees one, whatever. Um, but it was a ton of fun. But something that I've appreciated about the process of yoga and the expertise that I have going two times <laughs> is that it's an invitation into learning how to breathe. And that breathing is a practice. And I don't learn to breathe so that I can be a better yogaer or whatever that tense is. I learn to breathe so that in my real life, when real conflict happens, when real trouble comes my way, when that mother crosses me on the freeway again, <laughs> instead of road raging it, instead of getting intense when my three-year-old wants to like combat me, I get to breathe deeply within, recenter myself, slow down, take in a new perspective of the world. And that's what Jesus invites us into in the practice of forgiveness, is that we need to practice it in every aspect of our life if we're going to ever be good at it. And probably the places that we should start practicing at are the places that are just most common in our lives. If we can't practice forgiveness with the people who are around us or people in this room, how will we ever be able to practice forgiveness with a mass murderer who kills people in a place like New Zealand? That, that road to forgiveness is extremely difficult. And so in the passage, what I love about it is that Jesus comes up with this idea, basically just says, sin's going to happen. Things are going to happen among you. What I love about Jesus is Jesus is not an idealist. Jesus is a practitioner. Jesus is not a theologian. Jesus is somebody who's incredibly practical. So what Jesus does is he invites us into a reality where we have to get engaged with something. Jesus knew this reality that perfection is not helpful. Jesus doesn't talk about God in perfect ways. Even when Jesus calls God, God perfect, right? Be perfect as my father in heaven is perfect, does not mean this absolute infinite unshakable thing. It means a destination that you are in, it means a journey that you are in process with. It's called the telos of something. You're moving towards a trajectory. And the reason for that is that Jesus is fully aware that perfection doesn't help us. Why? Tell me the perfect thing that you've ever seen. Oh, you haven't. That's right, because nothing is. And so that doesn't help your framework for being a human being. But what do we enter into when we enter into a relationship and we've been on three dates and they're wooing us and we're just having the best time of our lives? They are so perfect. No, they're not. And thank God for that. Oh, look at my child. They're perfect. No, they look like an alien raisin like every other newborn baby. And I've had three of them. And there's nothing wrong with that. And I know that we're using that as an expression, but sometimes that expression also shapes the way that we actually live our lives. 
Instead of what Jesus is saying is even good people who love each other, who are committed to relationship and union and longing with one another, shit happens, as the great prophet Forrest Gump once told us. Right? And that we need to be reminded of that, that the world is about an imperfect process, not ideals of what perfection may be. And so we have to start at the relationships that are closest to us to practice forgiveness in some way, uh, because if we can't do it here, how will you ever do it there? I've been married 13 years, by the way. I've practiced forgiveness. Thank you for that. I know this baby face. I did get married when I was 12. It was nice. <laughs> Gave a dowry, two cows, a pig, got a wife. It was amazing. Um, it's what they did back then, and it was AP. We were conservative. We didn't know better. It's not that far from the truth. Um, and I love my relationship with my wife because it's not perfect. Because I don't believe that somewhere at the beginning of time when God breathed everything to existence 13.8 billion years ago, or when God breathed everything into existence 6,000 years ago, um, <laughs> that what God did is pick Carissa for me. What I believe is that Carissa was the person who I have a choice to love. And she has a choice to love me and my imperfection. And there have been many times in our life where we are two good, loving, and caring people. And we have gone on that hot date night to have a wonderful time. And what ends up happening at dinner is we get into an argument. Anyone ever been there? <laughs> Woo, yeah, there we go. We got two hands over here. We got a double amen. That's nice. I'm not pointing at you. I'm saying someone else did it in this section. No big deal. And I've had a lot of meals with my wife like that, where I am sitting there, it is now awkwardly silent. You know that the server's like pouring the water, like. Everything good? Yeah, thanks. Yeah, more wine, please. You're pouring the wrong liquid here. And I'm just putting that delicious piece of scallop in my mouth, and I'm like, I paid a lot of fucking money for this night to be horrible. Anyone been there? Praise God, yes. Oh man, some expensive arguments I've had, right? If I get that money back, I wish restaurants would do that. You know, like I had a bad time with the food. No, with my wife, give me my money back. Oh. Amen. And my example for me is there is if I can't practice forgiveness with Carissa, if I can't be in this imperfect process with her here, I'll never be able to do it somewhere else. And so I think what Jesus invites us into is this reality that perfection's not real, shit happens, things are gonna go down, relationships can be difficult. And if you can honor that reality now, that there will be conflict, that there is brokenness, that hurt and pain is a possibility of human relationship, longing, and union, then you will be better off to journey the road to finding healing and health and union with one another. Any Oprah fans out there? Yeah. But I bet you all like the Oprah giving away things, Oprah. Am I right? You get a car. No, you get a car. What's next, Oprah? You get a school. No, you get a school. Where can she go from here? You get a humpback whale. You get a humpback whale. Everybody, no one's ever heard that bit. It's a good one. So if you like that Oprah, you're really going to hate this story. So there's the other side of Oprah that's like everyone near you wants to kill you and make sure that you look up the predator list of all your neighbors. There's that Oprah. You know what I'm talking about? The Dateline Oprah. So Dateline Oprah just came out again because the Leaving Neverland special came out on, on HBO. Anyone see that? That is 
No, you can't watch it. It's honestly, it's, it's, I'm telling you a story that it's awful. All right, so I'm going to just reaffirm that reality. And it's this four-hour documentary, and it's about two men who come out uh, about their accusations that Michael Jackson molested them for years in their childhood, and how he was not just a pedophile, but how he groomed them. Um, and how just by the very nature of who he was, it groomed people into this process um, of him being able to take advantage of them. And then Oprah has this follow-up special with them. And and in the audience, it's these guys sharing their story with a hundred other people who are victims of being um, molested and groomed. So, I mean, the whole thing is, it's heavy. It's as heavy as you get. And Oprah is this, obviously this, this great communicator and they're in this process and, and talking about what this journey has been like. And then she finally asked one of the men, have you forgiven Michael? And he pauses and has this incredibly powerful moment where he says, forgiveness is not a line that you cross. Forgiveness is a road that you travel. And this realization of what he was trying to say there is, for the imperfections of what I'm saying, for how my entire life has fallen apart because of what this man is doing, has done to me, right? And he's not even here anymore. How I still live with the repercussions of those actions, that my part of forgiveness is still a process. And there was even a recognition of who he saw Michael Jackson as, as not completely evil, but also there was parts of him that were good. It was just wild to watch the healing process and the not healing process and the ambiguity and the gray and the messiness. And honestly, in something that we would all agree as society is one of the worst possible things that we could fathom, a child being taken advantage of. And that when I think about that reality, I think that's also what Jesus invites us into. It's not a line that we need to cross. It is a, it is a road that we need to take with one another. And so I think what Jesus does in this passage is he shows us two really practical things. He uses these words for rebuke and repent. Said nobody ever, right? We don't use that language a lot anymore. And I think that we need to reclaim it in some ways to find the power out of it. Rebuke goes like this, to show honor to, to honor, to raise the price of, repent, to think differently or afterwards, to have a wider perspective. How many of us in here, when we hear the word rebuke, we think of it in a positive way? Nobody. That's not the way that we've been given that word. But this word is a word that is tied to interdependence. It's this word that is tied to the idea that we need to confront one another in proactive, healthy relationships. Not every relationship can we do that, but hopefully you have some relationships that are interdependent and healthy, where you're not living just independently and you're not living in some unhealthy codependence, where you have people in your life who can call you out, where you have people in your life who can challenge you, where you have people in your life that can help you grow. And that's the idea of raising something up of bringing honor to something. That's the kind of rebuking that Jesus is talking about. So clearly to do that work in any way, shape or form where you would be in a position to go confront someone else, you would have had to have done a lot of work yourself. It fits very nicely with another passage that Jesus gives in the Sermon on the Mount, right? This idea that you don't go judge somebody if you have a plank in your eye and they have a speck in their eye. But we never want to repeat the second part. But after you have removed the plank in your eye, then go and offer some words to your brother or sister. The point is, do the work. Be a part of the process. Take some internal assessments of what you have going on because there's others around you who need your perspective, who need you to speak into what they have going on. Now, cautionary tell here, you get to choose who those people are around you. 
You don't just have to be a glutton for punishment, right? That's like the Christian world I grew up in. Like anybody at any time could just say, well, God has a word for you from me. Oh, that's interesting. God hasn't told me that, right? And that becomes incredibly dangerous. Anyone get some words from God from some teenage friends? Yeah, there you go. A lot of wisdom there. A lot of wisdom, you know? They too just got their driving lessons. They knew things that I didn't know. Thankful for them. I have no idea where I was going after that, to be honest. <laughs> Teenage friends, confronting, rebuking, Michael Jackson. We're going to go back to rebuking. Oh, I know a story I was going to tell you. I was telling you about the day I hung out with Leonardo DiCaprio and Tobey Maguire. Great. That's where we're going to pick up from there. Wonderful. If you guys don't know Monica Chi, this is Monica Chi right here. She's just a grade A badass if you're looking for one. There you go. Uh, Monica's one of those crazy human beings who like, went to Stanford at 16 like we all did. Uh, you know, like Harvard MBA. Pretty, pretty typical stuff. Um, and she is a partner for a consulting firm uh, here in Los Angeles, and I think they do things globally. You can speak for yourself later. I'm going to tell my own story about you now. And uh, they do a lot of work with like executives and, and how you think reactively and how you understand reality and, and just some really deep work that I would consider spiritual about how they're helping executives think about themselves and the work that they're doing. Uh, Monica invites me to something a, a few weeks back, and it doesn't matter what it is. If Monica invites you to something, you say yes if you are not a dummy. Right? So she invites me to something. It's at some like schwanky Beverly Hills hotel where like I roll up in my car and it's like Lamborghinis all around me. I'm like, oh, perfect. And I didn't even know what I was walking into that day. What I ended up walking into is like this like industry day with like, you know, Hollywood execs. And then I look in front of me, I'm like, ah, it's Toby McGuire. Look over to my left, I'm like, sup, Leo? Right? It's just what we do on a Tuesday to get ourselves whole and healthy. But there was this woman there named Byron Katie, and, and she's this like world-renowned spiritual teacher, and she's going through this process that she calls the work. And there's something that she said even to start that really changed for me how I understand things. And she did this. She said, imagine a banana. You all just imagined a banana. Imagine an orange. You all just imagined an orange. Imagine that orange on a summer day and the smell of it and the taste of it, and you all did. And what's powerful about that is that you were doing all of that in your mind's eye. Now prove to me that you've ever eaten an orange before. You can't, but you know an orange. Now what happens is every time that you see another orange, you're determining what that orange tastes like off of the last orange that you ate. Picture your mom, picture your dad. Every time that your mom and dad come in a room, what you're picturing about your mom and dad was that picture of your mom and dad, not actually who your mom and dad are today. And we are endlessly doing that in the world about how we experience reality. We have all of these people who are coming into our life and we are not experiencing who they are right now in this moment. We are experiencing the person that we had once experienced in the past. And we're bringing that into our present and we're dictating who they'll be in the future. All that from a banana and orange, right? This, this is why this lady makes millions of dollars. <laughs> and it was powerful. It's powerful because we all have these reality shifts that we need to make. It is nearly impossible for me to go walk into a situation where I'm going to confront somebody else if what I'm confronting them about is the picture of who I believe that they were. And I haven't done the real work of who they might be now, and more importantly, who I am in this moment. That's what Jesus invites us on, into. If you're ever going to confront, it means that you have a great grasp of reality in yourself. And that will take time, and that will take wisdom, that will take experience, that will take a therapist, that will take spiritual directors, that will take good community, that will take meditative practices, that will take some long walks on the beach. It will take a lot of things. 
is the whole point. Because the point is, we all agree that we long for union. We all agree that we long for right relationships. And we can all agree that none of those relationships are perfect. So if we can agree upon that, then can we also agree of doing some internal work that will help reshape our reality, first of ourselves, and then potentially of other people around us so that we don't continue to carry hurt, pain, and baggage into the other relationships that we have because of something that happened in the past. Now, let me say this. Some of those things that happened in the past are real. They did happen. They are incredibly painful. And the process of confronting and forgiving may never happen with that perpetrator. That may not be a thing that you get on this planet. But that doesn't mean you won't get the opportunity to do some work within yourself and to re-understand your process in forgiveness. Desmond Tutu has this amazing quote that goes like this. Can you go to the first one? It takes a strong person to say they're sorry and an even stronger person to forgive. When you forgive, you in no way change the past, but you sure do change the future. Mistakes are always forgivable. If one has the courage to admit them, there is no love without forgiveness and there is no forgiveness without love. I mean, these are the words of a man who endured South Africa apartheid for 40 years. And the reality of him understanding at the deepest level that hurt people hurt people. And that there are all kinds of reasons that people have done things and they are not excusable. We are not here to justify that. But it's an invitation into, you may never change them. In fact, it's not your job to. What would it look like to change yourself for the sake of all of the rest of your relationships on planet Earth? that you may have a deeper well of understanding and depth and width to how you see yourself so that you can see others in a fuller way. And imagine how that grace that you're giving to yourself, the grace that you could be potentially having with another relationship could affect all of the relationships that you have. That your healing is my healing and my healing is your healing and our healing is tied to the healing of the world, said the great prophet Brene Brown. And we say that in here all the time because we believe that it's true. So we have to participate in some type of proactive, healthy confrontation if we have a a healthy reality for ourselves and the people around us. And then we enter into this idea of repentance. And repentance is simply just gaining a wider perspective. Repent for the kingdom of God is near, is how Jesus begins his ministry. It's this idea of have a wider perspective about reality. We don't have kingdoms anymore. We have reality is how we talk about it. We don't use the word repent very well, but we do talk about perspective. And Jesus is inviting us into greater perspective. And this is where we take ownership for our lives. And so much of the ownership that we need to find healing everywhere else begins with forgiving and healing and giving grace to ourselves with where we're at. And that's not easy. I don't say that in some trite way. I don't think that that happens overnight because you raised a hand or because any magical pixie dust was sprinkled over you. I think that the process and the art of forgiving yourself is something that you practice just like yoga. Every day you begin new breathing techniques of breathing in grace and breathing out grace, breathing in love and breathing out love, breathing in forgiveness and breathing out forgiveness. And it's in the slow process of learning to breathe again that you begin to change how you relate to the rest of the world with full awareness that you can't change the rest of the world or how other people relate to you. And anytime we give a conversation like this, particularly at a place like New Abbey, Of course, we're having this conversation in the confines of boundaries. We're not just saying, oh, just go forgive and, you know, go back to that person and let them punch you in the face again. No. 
Take care of yourself. Be watchful over what you have going on inside. Allow other people to journey with you. But also, if we can't practice forgiveness, if we don't get into this game of the road of forgiveness, then who? If we don't participate in the healing of the world now, then when? And this is an invitation that Jesus has for all of us. And so I end with another quote from Desmond Tutu. To forgive is not just to be altruistic. It is the best form of self-interest. It is also a process that does not exclude hatred and anger. These emotions are all a part of being human. You should never hate yourself for hating others who do terrible things. The depth of your love is shown by the extent of your anger. However, when I talk forgiveness, I mean the belief that you can come out the other side a better person, a better person than the one being consumed by anger and hatred. Remaining in that state locks you in a state of victimhood, making you almost dependent upon the perpetrator. If you can find it in yourself to forgive, then you are no longer chained to the perpetrator. You can move on and you can even help the perpetrator to become a better person too. But the process, keyword, but the process of forgiveness also requires acknowledgement on the part of the perpetrator that they have committed an offense. I don't like to talk about my own personal experience of forgiveness, although some of the things people have tried to do to my family are close to what I'd consider unforgivable. I don't talk about these things because I have witnessed so, I don't talk about these things because I have witnessed so many incredible people who, despite experiencing atrocity and tragedy, have come to a point in their lives where they are able to forgive. What we long for in this room, what we hope for is union. We all desire a right relationship with ourselves, with others, and with God. That does not happen overnight. It is a process that we all enter into. Some of those tools are rebuking and repenting. It's confronting and correcting our own reality and where we're at. And that's what Jesus invites us into. But you get together and when you, with those same groups and talk about this question, what's one step you can take towards forgiveness? That's a bold question. You might not be there. You might not like the question. Great, talk about what you want. Enjoy. Thanks for listening to the New Abbey podcast. For more information, visit us on the web at www.newabbey.org.